Hi, I'm Shiv. And I'm Chitra. We are the co-hosts of this show, Software People Stories. We are happy to bring you stories of people associated with software as makers or consumers. In every episode, we talk to people on their own personal and professional journeys, their interests and approach to work and life in a free-flowing conversational format. We hope that you will be able to draw your inspiration from their experiences and insights. These podcasts are made possible by PM Power Consulting, who have helped individuals, teams, and organizations on their delivery excellence journeys. Our guest today on the Software People Stories is Jayaprakash Puttaswamy, JP as he is popularly known in the area of coaching and consulting for business agility and leadership. JP talks about how he started his career in software and realizing that he was doing extreme programming only after he worked with one of the writers of the Agile Manifesto to how he became an entrepreneur. He talks about two things that are dear to his heart, one of them being working to craft public policy and the other about why leaders should have an entrepreneurial spirit. JP shares a message for coaches on mixing and balancing coaching and a glimpse as he talks about his future scope. Good evening, JP. It's wonderful to have you here as a guest on the Software People Stories. Delighted to do this recording with you. A very warm welcome to you. Thank you. Thanks, Chitra. And good evening to you as well. As a starting to our uh, session or our conversation today, we usually mm-hmm. ask guests to introduce themselves. So how would you like to introduce yourself to our audience, JP? Okay. So before I do that, I would like to thank you, first of all, for you to uh, you know giving me this opportunity. And also, I'm quite excited to you know, share my journey. So let me get started. So, uh, so from the from background point of view, I'm I'm a software engineer. I'm an engineer at heart, uh, and uh, probably want to retire as an engineer at heart because that's something I loved right from my education uh, times. So, uh, you know, as a quick uh, journey, I, I started uh, my career around 2002 uh, after graduating uh, from computer science engineering uh, from from Karnataka uh, in Bangalore. So uh, since then, it's been about uh, almost now close to 17 years of journey in the, in the industry, IT industry, I would say, and uh, had uh, several exciting, uh, um, you know, turns in my career. Um, especially uh, every few years, um, I was rediscovering myself, um, and there were multiple occasions where uh, I took on something which I never uh, thought I would get into. Uh, even uh, including the entrepreneurship. So, so far, the journey has been great and uh, I got to work in several organizations, uh, especially my first half of my career, I've worked in several product development companies and also a couple of uh, service organizations. Um, and, and, and also in the second half, uh, because I got into consulting and coaching, I got to interact with uh, almost close to 40 plus organizations so far in the last seven to eight years of my entrepreneurship journey. And it's quite exciting. Maybe uh, we will get into more details specifically uh, on uh, uh, based on how we move forward. 
Certainly. Wonderful introduction there, JP. Thank you. What made you choose computer science as a discipline for your education? Wow, okay. That's a, that's a really nice question. Uh, in fact, uh, I started um, uh, studying computer science right from my 12th uh, standard, uh, 11th and 12th. Um, well, so there were a couple of reasons. One was, uh, of course, my, my dad wanted to put me into some kind of a curriculum which helps me find a good job. And, you know, at that point of time, I think uh, late 90s and uh, early 2000, uh, there was this complete boom on computers and, uh, you know, especially um, IT uh, getting evolved in, in, in Karnataka, especially in Bangalore. I mean, the Bangalore was not yet known as Silicon Valley. It was started getting recognized around that. So uh, it was one of his ideas. But, uh, you know, fortunately, as soon as I picked the computer science uh, in my 11th and 12th, you know, I, I got an opportunity to uh, play with the cursor on the monitor uh, with the keyboard and then uh, some kind of a programming with Pascal. Uh, that's when I, I got uh, familiar with, uh, apart from, you know, the history of computer and the first computer, etc., uh, etc., et I got into programming aspects with using Pascal around, uh, and somewhere around 96 or something like that. And that actually um, created a lot of curiosity, right? From a cursor to a programming. And uh, since then, I never looked back uh, about uh, the computers, right? So it, it created a lot of interest. And then uh, eventually when I got into engineering, um, though uh, engineering, you know, you must be familiar that in most of the curriculums, we have a combination of um, electronic-based subjects and many other things along with computer science. Uh, but what caught my attention uh, was some of the advanced topics like, you know, artificial intelligence, computer graphics, or uh, let's say um, advanced uh, Unix programming, or, or even um, uh, there, was a, there was a subject called finite automata and formal languages. So it again pulled, in, uh, pulled me into uh, deeper aspects of computer science. And uh, eventually, you know, I started figuring out that all this is to help uh, people, help humanity, society, and the application of science using software. And that is something which attracted. So that's when, you know, I got uh, deeper into it. Wow, that's something maybe we should talk about in depth some other time, application of technology to help humanity. That's another favorite topic of mine too. So while you got into the industry and you said yep. that you did both product development and you worked yep. for services organization, what yep. are some of the experiences that you could perhaps contrast between working in these two different kinds of organizations and mm -hmm. what were your learnings from those experiences? I think that's, again, a very interesting point. And, and the more I think about this, when I look back, you know, I could only recall many, many, many hidden learnings that were not very, uh, you know, obvious when I was going through. But when I, when I look back, uh, both uh, as, a, as an employee, as well as uh, the leaders and managers I've worked with in service and product organizations, there are several dimensions that that has opened my my uh, entire canvas into you know what it means to serve someone especially serve customers right but if i were to contrast and if i again uh, reflect back my experience right first couple of years uh, in, in fact it has been 
uh, a good, um, you know, I would say um, a zigzag between a service and a product organization in the first few years. My very first software experience uh, was with the service organization. And I was working for uh, a, a, Fra a France-based company called Valtech. And uh, that was developing an application called, if I still remember the name, Agiforce PME. It is like uh, an application meant to help uh, the entire France government and the, and the public um, on the tax collection and management uh, across France, right? But, you know, it was a service organization, but the application I was working was was a was a really an enterprise application in nature which um, which touched uh, lives of uh, several people both in the government side and the public side but uh, my experience there and also in the subsequent service organization is 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 that the the people the leaders the, i mean i think uh, they are generally referred to as account managers who are accounting the uh, who are managing the account for for the clients? They are so agile uh, by nature. They are so well connected with the, uh, with not only with clients but also with the with the engineering team which is working for them, and they do such a good balance. They've given their neck uh, for uh, let's say several uh, crores of money. Uh, and at, at that point, I was not even sure how the how the financials were working when I was very young, but uh, if I were to recall now. Right. You know, the whole point is about how an account manager works and balances his or her interactions with uh, with the clients as well as this. And the only way for such person is to be agile and nothing else. Right. If I recall that, whereas in a, in a product organization, on contrast, such responsibility is not just for such account managers not just uh, not uh, uh, just for such client uh, facing people it is quite spread across the organization because uh, sometimes you know i've seen that the culture uh, which is embraced in product organization is that can we work as a whole team okay uh, starting from your product management or sales people to engineering and support functions uh, but having said that i have seen uh, a lot of different uh, setups in in huge product organization where you are just a part of a captive unit or you are just an internal service organization for the rest of your product organization all this combination but in in summary i could see that there is a culture within which this whole management uh, works uh, and that is slightly different uh, in, based on the business model in a service organization versus a product organization i don't know if, if it is a long that answer <laughs> no it's 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 really interesting because one thought that stayed with me was you know agile account managers and yep. connecting with people and making yeah. sure that you're connected with customers on one side and then delivery yeah. people on one side and then balancing the two. I think that was really beautifully said, uh, JP. Thank you. You know, you talked a lot about customers. In yeah. the context of services companies, you said, what is mm -hmm. it that you experienced while serving customers? And in product organizations, whether it's captive or other product organizations with their own business mm -hmm. models, the end mm -hmm. of the day, there's a customer at the end there. Right. What is yeah. it that you know you learned or perhaps did differently to be able mm -hmm. to understand customer needs? You know, again, uh, if I contrast, when I was in a service organization, although uh, our account managers were really trying to do the balancing, on the other hand, uh, the, the the management at the engineering organization where we were actually 
working in the teams, you know, their focus was on mostly on how do we, um, you know, increase the headcount? How do we get a bigger share uh, with respect to, let's say, there are there were many several large projects where uh, the vendor was from multiple companies, multiple service organizations. So the primary focus for management from engineering is mostly on how do I increase my share of headcount? How do I get, let's say, more Java bodies, more dotted bodies? So they don't even consider people as people, but then as resources. Um, you know that's the pre uh, predominant focus in the in the management, at least uh, in some of the organization that I work for. But you know, as exception, uh, there will there were some managers, uh, and also including myself, there were several employees and myself who were questioning sometimes. You know, does this really make sense uh, from the interest of customer? How does it matter? Uh, you know, in fact, uh, there were many occasions where there was a tension between increasing the headcount by compromising the the collaboration aspect. Because you know, as you know, the more more the people can be more merry, but it can be more pain uh, in terms of collaboration, decision-making, and this really slows down, especially if you're in a bureaucratic setup. So, and, and there were some people like me and a few other guys who used to you know, question these challenges, uh, but then we were not really sure how to you know, make our point across uh, beyond one or two levels and really make some changes. Right. Uh, this is this is something uh, which comes as a major obstacle when you really think about uh, customer point of view, and it boils down to only few man, few people, like a an account manager, takes a call, and by the time uh, his or her message gets translated to engineers or the vice versa, it gets lost somewhere in that in that uh, chain of messages, uh, the hierarchy. But in a, in a product organization. Uh, because of this whole, um, you know, notion of whole team working together, and and also, we we're not building a product for a particular uh, client, right? Uh, unlike in service organization, we are building this for um, to um, to impact the life of several customers who would be benefited. And in fact, it is also even um, interesting on discovering who are the several customers. And sometimes we will be doing that in a, in a cooperative manner. We would, so that is where I've seen uh, in a product organization, there will be an encouragement for people to even jump into the discovery aspect, make nice proposal based on our own market research. And again, I'm not trying to stereotype here from a service and organization because in both the organizations, the opposite mindset exists. But in general, uh, by design, you're in your product organization, you, we have more chance of getting into the discovery of our customers, what their needs are really, uh, and also co-create the solution. And especially this is becoming more and more evident in nowadays from last, uh, let's say, I would say about eight to 10 years with the advent of agile and you know, agile-based practices, right? So so it's it's the main point is about how can we co-discover what customer really need and co-develop uh, and validate whether our service, our product or solution is really meeting those needs. And that's becoming harder and harder as the days pass by. Why, is, why do you think that's becoming harder, JP? I should think that perhaps with newer approaches and different ways of customer discovery, it should perhaps mm -hmm. be easier. Why do you say it's becoming more challenging? Yeah, I think okay. Yeah, that's that's an interesting area and a question to inquire. And you know, on the, on the first look, obviously, it's very easy to you know 
just call out that okay we are living in the uka world uh, you know the, the 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 kind of volatility and the kind of uncertainty we have but you know uh, for me in my experience this uka nature always existed maybe the intensity was uh, less in the in the old days now intensity is new the only factor i would say that is actually really posed the challenge is the number of technology options a choice uh, which is which is available in today's world for our customers and their end users it's simply uh, you know unmanageable right and also unpredictable and due to which their demands the demand variation the choice and the choice of user experience all of this is uh, increased uh, multiple uh, times i would say and and also uh, because of easy availability of technological alternatives uh, solution alternatives what has happened is even in the solutioning there's a lot of actually it's it's more than a boon it's it's been a pain because we end up over engineering and making the applications more complex than it needs to be right so so this all of this is from uh, the advent of technological choices but i would still feel that this is not the core of the problem why uh, it makes code uh, the discovering harder the the real uh, point in my experience is the collaboration aspect um whether you are a 20 people organization or 20000 right what really separates one organization from another uh, in, the, in the area of discovering customer needs is how inclusive is your discovery process uh in terms of do we have a practice where all the concerned people from different uh, flavors or let's say different disciplines like one may be very good in uh, you know user experience part one may be very good in the market uh, research part maybe another person is very uh, closely working with customer and of course the engineering representatives uh, including financial guys can all of these people work together and co-discover that differentiates an one organization from other the lesser the representatives the lesser the inclusiveness harder is the discovery uh, for any organization irrespective of whether it is service or product that's a wonderful insight jp you know i was almost thinking that you were going to say uh, give a golden formula for yeah. a customer being spoiled for choice in a vuka world and yeah. i was anticipating that you're going to say something magic that can actually <laughs> help relieve or make customer discovery easier but it's so simple <laughs> You know? yeah in fact the magic is 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 in the people and in not in the solution not in the in the jargon it's in in the people and how we enable people to work together you know you said that you have loved this journey of self discovery and your career has sort of evolved on those lines so right. what yeah. in this journey made you look at coaching consulting and sort of move away from the hurly burly of the software industry um again if i uh, were to uh, you know refer to my uh, initial statement uh, about you know my first half of my career was more about you know doing the regular software engineering work i was a programmer i was coding i was designing i was interacting i was trying to do many more things which is not even defined in my job description the so called jd uh, but you know it was somewhere around uh, because you know especially uh, what uh, what 
uh, gave me a different avenue is uh, my relationship with Agile way of working. And uh, I must say I was really fortunate uh, and also it was a good timing that in the very beginning of my career, I started around 2002 and right in 2003, I, uh, I got into something called unified process and extreme programming right in 2003. Especially, um, I was very fortunate to work under the guidance of uh, a person called Mr. Craig Lamon, uh, who was then a chief scientist in Valtech and, and, and today he's one of the, uh, and he's also an agile manifesto guy and today he's, uh, he's one of the leading uh, uh, coaches, uh, organization agility and organization design coach, and uh, he's also uh, the co-creator of a scaling framework called Less Large Scale Scrum. So uh, it was um, that person who inspired me about a different way of working. And you know, frankly, I've not really worked in the traditional way so much, uh, but I've I've had a taste of it. But because I started in 2003 itself, especially uh, with extreme programming, without even knowing that it was called XP or uh, even Agile for that matter, for almost one year, only when Craig visited India and he was publishing and talking about uh, his book, uh, very first book on Agile for managers or something like that, it was on that day I realized that in the last one year, I was actually using Agile practices from extreme programming. So such was a solid uh, start of my agile career and uh, all all that one year i had actually experienced the value of sitting in a co-located space working in a pair programming use case modeling some of the unified practices along with xp uh, and the power of you know working and taking quick decisions along with the fellow people uh, colleagues and then the, even the management people with that start, every time I moved on to different companies, there was some or the other flavor of uh, Agile, for that matter. Uh, especially in, in IBM Software Labs, we were using RUP. I was a part of WebSphere product development group for some time. And then uh, I, I changed to another company called Robert Bosch and many others, where um, I started even with Scrum some, sometime around 2005 or six. I, I think I got into certified scrum master certification in early 2006 or 7 maybe i was in the first or second batch of asia so what i'm trying to say is uh, this whole thing started giving me a different taste and different way of working using agile uh, and lean uh, thinking and also some of the practices like scrum uh, right in 2006 and 7 and the more i played with it the more I started liking because of its simplicity and, and, and you know, uh, the ability that we get to uh, challenge the system and the ability or uh, the opportunity we get to interact with people much more closely and much more collaboratively. So somewhere around 2008 or nine, you know, I, in fact, I was, because I started liking and I was passionate about it and it was a very early start, I never looked back and I also started getting a hold on the fundamentals. So people started asking me, hey, JP, can you come and teach me? So I started teaching about Agile and Scrum and many other practices in a small one and a half hours uh, in a custom packet session myself. But till then, I never you know, knew how to do this. I didn't even know about you know, certification, CSM, etc. So at some point around 2008 or 9, I thought, this is something I'm really finding value, not only to do it myself, practice it myself, plus also share it 
and also teacher. So why don't I make this uh, career for myself? So that's when you know, I, I thought, and then somewhere around 2009, I tried my a little bit of attempt on doing a little, of, a little bit of management role with this agile mindset. And then I thought, okay, uh, let me jump into independent consulting. So 2010 is where I started my independent consulting and coaching, uh, where I started my first coaching assignment in, uh, in a company called Tesco. So, so since then, you know, it, it's only pulled me and it opened the entire, the plethora of, uh, you know, scenarios, customer scenarios, the organization setups. So from last eight years, I've been uh, completely involved in this coaching, uh, you know, especially in a very large scale environment, right? So that's where, you know, my coaching journey began and, and, and continuing till date. How nice, JP. In fact, I was just thinking as I was listening to you is yeah. that you did agile and you are agile. So would you call yourself that? Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'll be very proud to say that I've, I've been agile throughout my career, uh, mainly because of my own, um, uh, you know, nature of questioning things and uh, not settling with the status quo and also experimenting in my career. You know, I jumped into entrepreneurship right after about eight years of my career and uh, I didn't even know how this was going to work. And every year in entrepreneurship, I would say every quarter, there were many quarters where I didn't know how myself and my co-founders are going to get our bread and butter for next three months where do we get the uh, the next set of customers especially in the, in the agile uh, related services because they are so abstract and agile was also evolving coaching was evolving uh, you know how do we get our next customer and how can we solve um, their problem how can we add value and we also encountered many guys many organizations who didn't even want some value, but they just wanted to uh, go agile and do agile, right? And then at some point we started taking a stance, okay, if you're not serious, we are not serious, so we're not gonna work with you, right? Uh, we started rejecting some of the um, you know, customers who are not serious. So that way we are being agile, uh, not only, at least I'm being agile, not only in uh, my own journey, but also with my colleagues and my uh, my other uh, partners, we we are being agile even in discovering our customers in the coaching space, serving uh, to them and discovering newer and newer ways of collaborating with other coaches, right? So yeah, that's been a very agile journey till date and probably it will continue for a lifetime. Certainly seeing a lot of topics for larger discussion forums here, JP. And uh, I can't help but ask this question. Do you adopt mm -hmm. agility in your day-to-day -day life? And what does that look like? <laughs> yeah, this is, this is definitely uh, another interesting uh, aspect. And um, I'm certainly, you know, um, I would say trying because, you know, Again, Agile is all about experimentation and you have different kind of stakeholders in, in, in day to day life, especially in the family. And, uh, you know, so it's such a challenging thing that on one hand, you know, we are coaching, we are teaching uh, and we are uh, sharing Agile ways of working. And, at, you know, at a point, you know, if you really get into seriously about this, it becomes a second nature. You can't be, you can't be an agile person in office and non-agile person in home or non-agile person, person with your relatives and friends. It becomes second nature. And that's what happened to me. But then when it comes to, you know, making use of certain practices, 
what I realized in last, uh, I would say about seven to eight years, the less jargons you use, the better uh, you are. Because, you know, Agile is not about jargons. How can we convey? And that actually, you know, your question, um, you know, uh, inspired me to share another part of my career which is happening in parallel that's my interaction with society in the in the public policy space and uh, and several organizations which are working for um, you know uh, enabling certain things in the society and community we live in and you know if i really look back my entire confidence the self confidence the first hand experience of being agile and serving with agility comes from my experiments in the society more than the software industry, right? So uh, several years back, uh, there was a like-minded uh, uh, set of people who are meeting on certain initiatives uh, on almost on a weekly basis. We were having calls uh, every day for five, ten, five to 10 minutes just to you know, share what we accomplished and how do we go forward in a very abstract uh, experiments in the area of public policy, primary education, etc. And then if you really look back, they are no different from our scrum practices, but it's just that we never use the terms like scrum or daily standup, etc. And uh, we were also doing face-to-face -face meeting. All of that was actually a real-world application of Agile and with successful results. You know, unlike software where it probably takes some years and there will be many constraints to see quick results. Uh, I would say even if it is not quick, even the delayed results with still difficulty in software industry, but I was able to see that in the, in the society, the experiments I was working with. So same thing, you know, I tried in my family, I have my daughter and the son, the wife and my parents and my, uh, my brother-in-law, sister. Every time you want to try something new, we use all these practices, obviously without any jargons. Every time I experiment, it gives me a learning. It gives me a learning of what to do or what not to do, how to do, how not to do. This is so fascinating, JP. Thank you for sharing this with us. And it's so interesting to know mm -hmm. that there are people like ourselves who worked in a very different kind of industry, seeing themselves extend their learning and methods of collaboration in a space like public policy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There are many people who are doing this and there is a great deal of learning that we can have um, if you know how to collaborate with them. So you said uh, that leaders should have mm -hmm. an entrepreneurial spirit. So what, mm -hmm. in your experience, has been a good combination of you know, leadership skills or the coming together of leadership skills and an entrepreneurial spirit? How does mm -hmm. that you know, shape the influence and effectiveness of a leader? And how does an organization benefit from having a leader having these characteristics? Right. Uh, that's, that's again, a great question. And also um, something which, which uh, all of us need to ponder uh, upon to really bring some agility in, in all our experiments. Uh, you know, again, if I relate back to my, you know, my initial comments on the service organization, the account manager kind of a people who are agile by nature, right? If I look at them, and if I really compare with some of the leaders who are trying to be agile leaders uh, with, in the, with the formal agile initiatives, right? There is a contrasting difference between people who, who work with entrepreneurial spirit 
uh, irrespective of whether you are a service or a product organization versus people who want to be an agile leader but who lack entrepreneurial spirit and what do i mean by that that means when leaders want to take on an uncertain journey which could be full of risk right now obviously as an entrepreneur right if you really look at the dictionary definition of uh, an entrepreneur it's very simple it says a person who who sets up who establishes an enterprise and assumes also all the risk associated with it right that is such a simple definition but when it comes to practice it requires the leader the promoter of the organization or uh, the leader who is leading an initiative to really take on a journey where there is uncertainty every moment every hour maybe every day right and uh, first of all are you willing to so the big factor is are you willing to go through such a painful journey and also will you be open enough to make it less painful right and if if there is any leader who assumes that transformation or uh, any kind of a uh, entrepreneurial journey would be a piece of cake or a cake walk or something very smooth that means you already lack the entrepreneurial spirit because that can never happen in reality it will be painful as you all know the transformation is not easy sometimes uh, it can be even a bloodbath if you have a lot of uh, you know bureaucracy and hierarchy and many other things that kick in the organization context so what i really uh, want to distinguish here is if a leader first has a willingness to go through such journey and an open mindset of say using a different leadership style again um, when i say leadership style i'm not really talking about some literature about leaders leadership style i'm talking about uh, the nature of a leader right let's say catalyst if i were to use the word then um, i would pick catalyst can you be a catalyst kind of a leader where you're okay to you know drop your own idea drop your own stuff and create a space where your next set of leaders and other people can co-lead co-own an initiative and all you do is facilitate and definitely uh, as a, as a leader we have to be on top of risk on, on top of you know the progress etc etc uh, even the outcomes but can we do it in a inclusive manner in a co-creative mindset and that's something very closely related to entrepreneurship right and great entrepreneurs make that happen by letting others co-own instead of only themselves leading it and doing every every bit of it so this is something which differentiates leaders who can take on an agile journey versus other leaders who get into an illusion and get into the trap of a agile transformation lots of points there for aspiring leaders to take away jp thank you for you know sharing some of those insights what are some messages that you know you'd like to share through this podcast that's a that's a very important question because i really want to convey uh, one important message especially people who are in the coaching space who are in the enabling space in any kind of a transformation any organization right this is a message for such coaches and people like me and you who are also working in this area very hard so it's very important to distinguish that when we are in a coaching uh, uh, coaching mode uh, depending on the context of the organization in fact in all contexts there is a business problem 
at hand, right? Uh, obviously, organization hire coaches to make their life easy in terms of achieving the business outcomes. And if they could have done it themselves, they wouldn't have hired coaches, they wouldn't have taken help. So with that context that we are, we are practicing agile, we are being agile, we are trying to do transformational work for business, for business outcomes. And that means agile is not the end, it's only a means right or any other flavor of agile and things like that even coaching is a means to help your people uh, who are being coached to achieve the business outcomes so that is something we have to keep in mind in our context which will enable us to even provide some kind of consulting solution which are unblocking in nature right obviously what i mean by this is we don't have to actually provide the actual product or solution which they are working on, but we have to provide unblocking solution uh, in, the, in the area of processes, in the area of how they set up the organizational design. If we can help them simplify, that's almost like consulting and solving their collaboration problem or design problem. By, and many people you know, who undergo this theoretical coaching certification think that, oh, this is something we are solving. In fact, coaching, uh, a coach is not supposed to solve, right? And I would like to clarify that a coach is supposed to solve these kind of blockages so that the people who are being coached can figure out their best way of reaching their journey. So, so like I mentioned, uh, as coaches, it's very important to distinguish between solving or consulting to to help our clients unblock themselves with the organizational design issues the collaboration issues and things like that versus actual coaching which is more of a deep conversation between a coach that means ourselves and the person we are coaching and that's a one-on-one -on -one deep conversation that happens either sometimes in a in a one-on-one -on -one setting sometimes even in a group setting but those coaching conversations are light they are momentary and they are voluntary by the people who need to be coached we cannot really force this coaching uh, force upon coaching to someone but they are they are only a portion of our uh, coaching work rest of the work is helping them unblock themselves, uh, which they, they cannot do themselves. And I, I'm only referring to the periphery issues, not their core product or project or solutioning. That is the, that is the expertise of those people. But our expertise is how do we make them see the non-obvious issues in collaboration and org design, et cetera, and how can we help them solve so that they can do their core work much better. And that is where we need to balance uh, as coaches uh, especially when you're working with a leader, we have to be definitely more empathetic about the the situation they are going through, the context which is driving their behaviors. How can we help them sail through in that context and even challenge some of the status quo? How can we help them? That is by solving for them, unblocking them versus uh, doing coaching conversations to enable a person to do it himself or herself in my absence. And there is a good mix and balance is what is needed for coaches. That's probably my uh, key message that I want to share with uh, any aspiring coaches or practicing coaches. Very nice message, JP. Thank you. Mm -hmm. What if it wasn't for the IT industry? 
what would you have done? Oh yeah, so that's a that's a great question, and like I mentioned, uh, I carry a lot of passion in the education space uh, for a couple of reasons. One, one my first first and important reason was my my father was from education department, and uh, I've had several experiences along with him when he was working as a teacher, the headmaster, and and some officer who was inspecting schools and things like that. Several uh, moments inspired me from my childhood to get into this education space and also since I was passionate about teaching and learning newer ways of learning newer ways of teaching experimenting and so if I were I was if I were not in the IT industry I would have been in the industry of research and education research and you know teaching and learning methods in fact I have started that on a parallel note and maybe very soon I would probably be out of IT and I would you know retire in this space uh, where my you know one of my uh, goals in my life for the probably for the lifetime is how do we enable every every uh, child to you know jump off the bed every morning to discover the world and create whatever it wants right how do i enable this this is something i'm really passionate about and uh, i really look forward to collaborate with many people in this space very soon that's a beautiful thought jp i think you're already doing it through your coaching and training and teaching so i guess that had to come out somewhere after all yeah maybe the focus needs to be shifted towards children <laughs> because if we do a good job in children we can also do with others <laughs> definitely i completely yeah. agree with you on that so yeah, thank yeah, you so yeah. much for this conversation it's been yeah. wonderful talking to you and i certainly look forward to more conversations with you there are so many topics that i'd love to explore with you uh, definitely thanks a lot chitra for providing me this opportunity and platform to share my journey uh, hopefully it uh, it inspires or influences some people and i look forward to collaborate with them as well as you in the future thank you jp thank you if you like the show and would like to share your experiences with the community or know someone else who might want to do that please get in touch with us at podcast at pm-powerconsulting.com that is podcast at pm-powerconsulting.com please rate the show on podchaser stitcher iTunes or any other podcast client that you find us on please also share our episodes with your friends and others in your network if you or anyone you know would like to be featured on our show do write to us at this email address podcast@pm-powerconsulting.com